Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast for December 19th. How's everyone doing today? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF21 Sports. You can find my work at ETOF21 Sports on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and yes, I am on Snapchat. How is everyone doing today? Can we believe that a week from now, Christmas will be over? Like literally a week from now, Christmas will be over. It is amazing how much time is flying, which brings me to this. I'm not really sure if I will be doing a podcast next Saturday. I will be back in the old hood, helping the rents, kicking it with the parents, doing some slave labor there because they always have me do shit. So with that being said, I don't really know if I'm going to be able to record. Hopefully I will. If not, my deepest apologies if you have any fantasy football start sit questions. By all means, hit me up on them. I've also had a lot of people asking about the betting service. So let me dive into it, everything and tell you guys how the service works. For those that are asking, it's pretty simple. Betting, we offer a day package, weekend, week, and monthly options. And all that pricing can be found on my website, etop21sports. And I give you options with what you want to do. Plays are set first thing in the morning. We add on plays throughout the day if the number and the action warrant. So I'll DM you and have it be on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, whatever. Whatever method you first communicated with me on, that's how I direct communicate with you and send you the plays for the day. Then in terms of the fantasy stuff. Now, if you're part of the service, I write out a cash game breakdown every Sunday, wrote one out on Thanksgiving, I'll write one out for tomorrow, where I send you the fantasy players that I like for the day and how I'm going to build a cash game lineup. Now, guys ask me, why do you only play cash games? I'm a cash game player. That's it. When you play DFS, you have to know what you are. My neighbor hit a huge, huge GDP play. But I'm not a GDP player. I don't put in the lineup construction like that. I would rather just do single game entries. My best lineup against your best lineup. Straight cash. Finish in the top 50. Get the get cash back. That's how I want to play. I, I'm in the grind like that. I don't want to go chasing the lotto ticket. I used to chase the lotto ticket. I've come close to hitting the lotto ticket a couple times. But straight cash, that is for me. So what happens is, is I send you guys out a build. I'm like, these are the four guys in our in our lineup. They're going to be in every single one of my lineups. And here's the people that I'm building around. And I just build a cash game lineup. And, you know, it's been successful. Last week was another good week with that. Fantasy football rankings, they are published every Wednesday. And, of course, you guys send in your start sick questions. I hammer those out on here. In terms of horse racing, I have a Instagram account, etof21sports21 underscore horse underscore racing. All the horse bets are placed in there unless it's a big carryover jackpot. You guys need to understand, when it's a big carryover jackpot, if I'm giving out my ticket away for free, I'm ruining my chances of making money. Just because... If there's a mandatory payout in a pick six, pick five, you know, whatever, the more people that hit it, the less money I get. If it's just the normal 
pick five at some park. I'll, I'll put it out there. I'll put out some some straight plays too. We had two nice winners at Gulfstream Park today. And I am going to give the horse racing service free for one more year, like I said, back in the pandemic. And then starting next year, unfortunately, that's going to, you know, cause a, a little bit. You have to pay a little bit to get to get the place for that. And that's basically how the service works and how everything is broken down. If you guys have any questions or want to be part of the team, by all means, reach out. I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you guys make money. That's what I'm here to do. We have an amazing day of sports today. Amazing day. We have NFL, two NFL games. We have the Panthers against the Packers, Broncos. We have the Broncos against the Bills. College football, college basketball, horse racing, UFC, just an insane day. So I'm not here to waste you guys' time. I know you want to get to the bulk of the show, so we're going to jump right into it. We have a great show today. I'm going to talk a little Chargers, Raiders, why Josh Jacobs is a fucking moron. I'm going to answer your start sit questions for fantasy football and my man Sterling from Silver Star Sports. And if you're not following Sterling, please follow my boy Sterling at Silver Star Sports. We're going to talk a little NBA basketball. So let's jump right into it. This Thursday night football game, Chargers defeated the Raiders 27-24 in overtime. So first thing, Justin Herbert has been playing well, but some of these comparisons that people are throwing out are insane. He's he's Dak Prescott. He won't throw a wide receiver open. He'll throw you the ball when you're open. Also remember, everyone's jumping saying he's the next Aaron Rodgers, next this, next Hall of Famer. He's going to take the Chargers to the promised land. Everyone is saying that. Let's not remember last year. Oh, no, sorry. Excuse me. Two years ago, Baker Mayfield. First time seeing him. Great first year. Great first year. And everyone was like, oh, he's this, he's that. Now he's basically just a game manager holding on to his job, having success because of a running game because defenses were able to pick up his tendencies. So I just wouldn't be putting Justin Herbert in the Hall of Fame yet. What has he won, like two games? He's won two games this year. And one thing I've noticed about Herbert, he plays to the level of the competition. Raiders defense fucking sucks. They were out, what, four starters last night? New DC? They fired. This is how bad the Raiders defense was. The Raiders fired their motherfucking defensive coordinator on a short week. Now, normally what most teams will do is if they have a game on Thursday, it's kind of like a mini buy. You have an extended time off. That's when they fire their fucking coach. Raiders were so disgusted with their defensive coordinator, they fired him on a fucking short week. So all the people that are like hyping up Herbert, let's kind of pump the brakes and understand that. Because also, the NFL is a big game of adjustment. What the NFL does is what you do well, they take away. When they get more data about you. They know your tendencies. They, they they know what you like to do. They take stuff away. Case in point, Lamar Jackson. What are defenses doing against Lamar Jackson this year? They're playing eight in the box, keeping zone in the middle of the field, forcing Lamar to throw to the outside of the field. So they are taking away what he does best, running there and throwing to the middle of the field. And he's not having as good a year as he was having last year. And the team is struggling because of that. Now Lamar has to adjust, has to add something to his game. That's what's going to happen with Herbert. Teams are going to get more film on him. They're going to adjust. And he's going to be willing to have to take 
a next step. He still kind of stales throws. And like I said, he plays down to his competition a lot. A lot. So I would really pump the brakes on Herbert and everything and kind of see what he has next year. Raiders, unfortunately, are done. Jesus Christ. Is Gruden done too? Like, is John Gruden done too? This year's been a disappointment. Last year's been a disappointment. I mean, you're brought there to win. And there's been some bad management, in-game management decisions he's done. Mariota came in when Derek Carr got hurt. Now, it's kind of funny because everyone tries to make people out to what they are. Mariota came in, and I'm reading, like, he should be the starter, how great he is, all this in a bag of chips. Were you watching the same game? A, the Chargers defense is fucking awful. It's, it's, the Chargers defense, for as talented as they are, is playing god-fucking-awful. Second, his balls were floating. Third, Aguilar was running down the seam, threw a god-awful ball, got him hurt. If that ball's on target, Aguilar's scoring a touchdown. Fourth, driving down to the red zone, god-awful throw behind him, Chargers flip the field. Now, granted, Chargers missed the field goal, but a starting quarterback, they make that throw. And if he was really, quote-unquote, this good, and your team is a middle-of-the-road team and you're battling for a playoff position, and let's be face it, Gruden's kind of coaching for his job, too, because Davis can't be too happy with a product he's seeing on the field. Wouldn't you play the guy that was a better quarterback? Just let that sit in. Wouldn't you play the guy that was a better quarterback if Mariota's all this in a bag of chips. He got benched in fucking Tennessee. I thought he was going to be better. I thought he was going to take a big jump. He fucking sucks. Mariota is awful. And guys, I made this player comparison coming out of the draft. All you guys who have your dicks hard for Tua, he's he's the next Marcus Mariota. That's, that's Tua. I hate to break it to you guys, but that's motherfucking Tua. And it just amazes me how you guys just can't see this stuff. And you guys like, oh, he let him down. He had a magical run. Watch his throws. There's no velocity in his throws. Throws are off target. I'm talking about Mariota now. Throws are off target. Got a wide receiver hurt. Costly interception. Yeah, he can run the ball. Yeah, he adds that element. But does that really make the Raiders better? No. That doesn't make the Raiders better at all. At all. Chargers special teams, I mean, Jesus Christ. And the funny thing about the Chargers special team is Anthony Lynn was supposed to take over. Anthony Lynn is taking over, and they're actually worse. There was times, not this week, but last week, they were going out on the field with 10 fucking guys. They were going on the field with 10 motherfucking guys. Just let that sit in. Your head coach is in charge of a group. And that group doesn't isn't coached well enough to know who should be on the field. Amazing to me. And then I'm reading how Chris Mortensen said that Anthony Lynn, based on two years ago, should still have a motherfucking job. Are you watching the game more? I love you more. More, I fucking love you. You're I, I fucking love you more. Like listening to you break down games more, like helped me get turned on to the sport of football. And I'm not seeing this to be a dick. I mean, I think you're great, but are you watching the fucking game, dude? He's making costly in-game decisions, bad time management decisions, bad decisions when to go. 
and when to punt. His in-game management is just fucking awful. And he's creating a culture of losing and a culture of playing to your opponent. Herbert plays to his opponent's ability now. You watch Aaron Rodgers, you suck, Aaron Rodgers kicks your fucking ass. And that's who you're fucking comparing him to? Fuck that shit. Saying Justin Herbert's name in the same sentence as Aaron Rodgers, and I fucking hate Aaron Rodgers, is disrespectful to Aaron Rodgers. With how talented that Chargers team is with the defense, they got Bosa and Ingram. They drafted that kid Murray out of Oklahoma, who's a stud lineman. They have good DBs. There is no fucking reason why this team should be in the playoffs. At worst, at worst, a wild card. Fine, you don't win the fucking division. Fucking um, Chiefs win the division. You finish second, you get a wild card game. That that's at worst. They should at worst they should be the Cleveland Browns with how talented this roster is. And this offensive line that Herbert has, this offensive line is better, better than any offensive line, any fucking offensive line Philip Rivers had during his time with the Chargers organization. So, I mean, I would just kind of pump the brakes on this Herbert and Chargers love for next year. Now, one thing before I get into the fantasy football stuff is it made big news last week was Josh Jacobs. He, on his Instagram, he sent out, hey guys, I mean, I'm not playing. Wow. What a fucking moron. The audacity of that guy. And he's saying, oh, I just don't like fantasy football players. I'm clowning on him. What he doesn't know is that some people, my friends, I have friends that sell fantasy football advice. And that created, his stupidity and his arrogance created more work for them and more stress in their lives. Because they have their subs DMing them. What should I do? What should I do? What should I do? I had Jacobs in a cash game lineup. I was freaking out. I'm like, what do I do here? I have, I have him in a $250, 50-50 contest. What do I do? And then, luckily, I reached out to one of my sources. And, you know, he was like, hey, I'm in the press box right now. He's on the field. It looks like he's ready to go. So he was just clowning us. What the fuck, Josh Jacobs? Do you understand... Josh, that if it wasn't for betting and fantasy football, that football wouldn't be as popular as it is. And if you think it would be, you're a fucking moron. Do you understand that? The reason why football is as popular as it is, is the betting and the fantasy aspect of it. If that wasn't for that, you wouldn't be getting paid as much as you would. You're getting paid the millions and millions and millions of dollars you are because of us fantasy football and sports bettors. We're helping you make money. And then you can go fucking do that shit, dude. Fuck you, Josh Jacobs. Yeah, I said it. Fuck you. Immature thing to do. And shows how immature of a person you are. Then, after that, you're telling me if I'm building a team, I want a guy when he should be getting ready for a fucking football game. When we're battling for a playoff spot. Battling for a fucking playoff spot. In the locker room, Instagramming, saying he's not going to play. Would a championship team Want that bullshit? No. Would Bill Belichick, greatest coach of the game right now, would he want that bullshit? No. No, that's that's some bullshit that makes you not a champion. Not a winner. 
You're a hack, dude. I hate to break it to you. And I'd be more worried about getting my body in shape because fucking John Gruden is going to run your ass in the ground like he did with Cadillac Williams. So why don't you do a little better job repairing their body, taking care of your body, than going on Instagram and putting on your story that you're not playing. Because that was a douchey move, dude. And it shows what a bum you actually really are. Now, let's go to the fantasy football start sit questions. So, someone texted me they need to the law firm, Jerry Judy, Jamal Williams, Rashad Higgins, and Adrian Peterson. Whew. I mean, I would go Valdez, Scanling, Panthers are really bad against the slot, and Jerry Judy. Broncos funnel the offense of opposing teams to the middle of the field. Broncos are very good defending the outside and funnel everything to the inside where they can get beat over the top. I think Judy and Valdez Scanlon, no-brainer. And if I had to rank these five players, it would go Valdez Scanlon, one, Judy, two, Rashad Higgins, three, Jamal Williams, four, Adrian Peterson, five. Next one, Mitch the Truth Trubisky or Tom Brady. Funny story about Mitch Trubisky. A, I'm in, somehow in my semifinals and I am rolling out the truth. I have the truth starting over motherfucking Matt Ryan. So the truth against Tom Brady. Atlanta, I mean, their DBs are weak and you know, their best pass rusher may not even be playing. So I would definitely take Tom Brady over... Mitch Trubisky there. James Conner, Wayne Gellman. I mean, at this point, you really can't trust the Steelers to run the ball. Steelers are throwing the ball all the time, and Gellman's, Gellman's scoring touchdowns. And if Colt McCoy doesn't play, that, that they're going to have to rely on Gellman even more. So I'm definitely going to go with Gellman here. Brashard Perriman or Michael Gallup. I would go with Gallup. Him and Dolan have a connection. Perriman could draw coverage from Jalen Ramsey. Plus, at the end of the day, I just don't trust Sam Darnold or Adam Gase. And the funny thing is, like, here's the funny, I hate, I hate going on these tangents. That's my biggest flaw when I do these podcasts is I always go on these motherfucking tangents. And I'm sorry, guys. But I can't believe there's still people out there that think Sam Darnold is fucking good. It blows my mind. And there's this one guy on social media. I'm not going to say his name. And I called out Colin Cowherd for saying Sam Darnold is a top 10 quarterback talent. And this guy responded, "Do you watch? have you watched these Sam Darnold games? Dude, have you watched these Sam Darnold games? Like, honestly, like, how can anyone that claims to know anything about the sport of football say to themselves, yeah, Sam Darnold's a pretty good quarterback? You can't. And if you do, you're a fucking moron. I'm sorry, you're a moron. You know nothing about the game. Nothing at all. I go back to... Who are we at here? Michael Pittman, Devontae Parker. Parker's gonna have, Parker's gonna have Gilmore, and he's got Tua Tua against Bill Belichick, a rookie quarterback against a Belichick defense, and Gilmore's guarding Parker. Plus, Pittman is gonna be matched up against Vernon Hargraves. Anyone that reads any of my stuff knows the one guy we love to fucking target. The one dude we love to attack is Vernon motherfucking Hargraves. We love attacking that motherfucker in DFS. So I would go with Pittman all fucking day there. Evan Ingram or Johnny Smith. I would go with Ingram here just because you get more chances. There's more opportunities for a play. 
See, Smith's not running as many routes due to the fact that the Titans are banged up front. So he's got to stay in and he's got to do more pass pro. Yes, I know he's been scoring touchdowns, but he's only running his routes inside the red zone. So yeah, he's going to get some looks. He's going to get some touchdowns if they make it there. And the Titans are playing the Lions. Who's to say that this game isn't out of hand and they just pound Derrick Henry? I would definitely go Ingram there just because you get a little bit more. And Colt McCoy is going to be working the middle of the field more going to his safety balls. So now we'd like to welcome Sterling from Silver Star Sports back to the show. Sterling, how you been, man? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm excited to uh, finish out the year. It's been a long but crazy year but for everyone, but 2021 uh, should be better. And I mean... Since I'm an old man, you know, I, I have to ask you this. How has Corona hurt your ability to pick up chicks? Uh, I'm, I'm actually doing pretty good in that area. But, you know, I, I realize uh, at my age, a lot of girls don't know what they want. So uh, I'm just trying to stay focused on myself. But, no, it definitely has been tough for some people, I understand. I mean, like, for I know for me, like, I have somehow morphed into having a girlfriend that basically lives with me now. And it is like so, I don't know, it's just different now, man. Like I, I can't even describe it right now. But people didn't tune in to listen to us talk about chicks. They're here to listen, have us talk about some NBA. So the first thing we're going to talk about is James Harden. Um, I have my personal opinion about Harden. That ESPN article came out, painted him in a very bad light, painted D'Antoni in a bad light, painted Maury in a bad light, just by how much he controlled the organization and everything. Tell me, A, where do you think James Harden's going to end up going? I think the Heat have the best uh, assortment of like assets they can offer between Harrow Robinson. Actually, I think the Sixers have a better package if they include Simmons, but the Rockets' reluctance to deal with Maury, their former GM, is going to hold them back. So I think he'll end up in like Miami or somewhere. But I also wouldn't be surprised if he like doesn't um, end up anywhere on his list and he ends up like somewhere random like New York or Charlotte or something like that. I could totally see him going to New York. The thing is, though, let me ask you this. So, there's this James but- James Butler, Jimmy Butler story. Butler's first day at heat practice. He comes in and he goes to Spolstra. He's like, I think we should do stuff like this, this, this. Spolstra pro- pulls out one of his championship rings and goes, when you get one of these, we can have a discussion. And he kind of, he, he checked Butler in front of everybody. And Butler kind of being Butler, how he's that tough-nosed guy, respected that. I just don't know, like, with how the Heat culture is, would Harden be able to, like, change his ways? Uh, that's a good question to ask. But I think Harden's getting to the point where he's done everything he's wanted to accomplish on a basketball court from, like, a statistical perspective. So I think he's getting up in his 30s and uh, he's going to want to win. Or at least I think so. Maybe James Harden is just not that guy. He just wants to make money and score and play his game. But I, I, at some point, I think most... NBA players and athletes want to um, play for a championship. So that's now, why I think the heat culture could affect it. Okay. Because, I mean, like, they're – I mean, they totally changed LeBron. All those stories about 
how they LeBron would want to go out clubbing and Wade would be like, no, 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 that's not how we do it here. And that made LeBron a better player. I mean, I definitely think it would elevate Harden by just it comes a point in everyone's life where you just that's who they are. And maybe Harden's just a guy that likes to go to tip bars and party. You know what you know what I'm saying? Like Yeah. Um in terms now you mentioned the seventy sixers. Do you feel the seventy sixers are better suited to come out of the East with a Harden and Bead combo than a Simmons and Bead combo? Yes. I think the Simmons and Bead experiment has run its course for the most part. Um, and I really want to see Ben Simmons on his own team. I think he would thrive. I think we'd be looking at him as a superstar if he had his own team. But yeah, as far as coming out the East, Harden and Embiid, their games fits much better together than Simmons. Okay. All right. I have a different take, but I'm going to save that because later on we're going to be talking about teams that are going to be disappointing to us. So I'm going to save my take on that for later. Um. So what about... Because the net, everyone's always talked about the Nets. The Nets have always kind of been there. Do you feel KD Harden is better than KD Irving? Um, I'm not quite sure. Um, both similar personalities in terms of ball dominant ISO scores. I just know that the three of them together would not work. I mean. Uh, when those rumors first came out, I was baffled by that because I, I just there's one basketball, as people will say. Speak, um, yeah. So you're telling me Irving wouldn't be able to like go around the court and sprinkle sage before the game and everything would be all kosher? <laughs> no, no. For those, what are of your you, thoughts on Kyrie and his uh, bouts with the media? I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of a conspiracy theorist. That's just me, mm-hmm. and. Part of me thinks Kyrie's doing this as an educational pull not to get traded. Because I think that Nets trade was closer to becoming a reality than people actually realize. And I think this is all just him kind of just doing it. And, I mean, we're going to dive into the Nets later in terms of what we think about him. But I just kind of think, I don't know, I kind of think he was doing it. And, like, like I think I think Harden showed up fat on purpose to try to drive his trade value down. Yeah. Harden, if he wanted to get traded, he just went about it such the wrong way that, like, teams aren't going to want to take that perceived risk like a championship contender. Did you hear the Harden and uh, Tim McMahon interview? Mm-hmm. McMahon asked me, he goes, why were you in Atlanta and Las Vegas before instead of coming to training camp? And Harden goes... I was training, and McMahon, McMahon replies, for what? <laughs> like, <laughs> he kind of called him out just for being fat and out of shape. It was kind of funny. But I don't know. What what do you think of um, what Kyrie's saying in the media? Do you think – what do you think I about think This is just Kyrie's personality. Um, I do think he gets a little bit more hate than warranted because he's always been outlandish and out there with his views. Um I just want to see Kyrie play basketball. Like, it feels for so long, like, we haven't seen him just play basketball. And um, I'm not one of those people that says don't use your platform whenever you get that big. But for Kyrie, there comes a point where he's just like, all right, just get healthy, stay healthy, and, like, try to get the Nets a championship. Like, the media, like, don't – they can be your friends if you let them sometimes. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, they can definitely, you know, work in your behavior, but if you treat them like, what, what's the term you would use, pawns, they're never yeah, going to... Yeah, that was unnecessary, that comment. Yeah, I was like, what? Yeah, they're never going to treat you in the same light. So let me throw out some trade ideas for you and look like look at it both both ways. If you're the team that Harden is being traded to and if you're the Rockets. Trey Young for James Harden straight up. Uh, I wouldn't do it if I were the Hawks because the Hawks roster isn't good enough to contend in the East right now. So it doesn't make sense to just get a 30-something-year-old um, guard when they're not close contending. I think the timeline they have with Trey Young, they're working on that, so that's that's good. That's positive. Zach Levine and Marketing for James Young. Um, that one is kind of the same boat because the, the, the Bulls wouldn't be good enough to really contend. Um, so I wouldn't do that if I were the Bulls. Although, Harden obviously is better. We'll give you more production than those two combined, but still, to what extent? Now, I think he's going to get traded to New York, New York just because Tibbs made that comment, what we need is a star. If you look, the only star that's on the market is James Harden. So that's why I think he's going to get tra- like traded to the Knicks. And let's face it, no one really wants to go to the Knicks with Dolan owning the team as after that huge run-in with uh, Oakley, where he, for, he was a moron. And I don't understand how you can kick Oakley after everything he's done for the organization out of the garden. But ever since that happened, like nobody wants to go there. And at least like by trading, you'll get a star in the building. People at least come to games now. And you will be able to compete to get into the playoffs. And I think for the Knicks, that's huge. And I, I think a realistic trade package would be Knox, Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, and throwing a first-round pick. Would you do that? I'm not entirely sold on their young players between Knox and uh, Barrett. So, yeah, to get a star um, and then go from there and, and just bring some relevance back to New York Knicks basketball would be nice. And, I mean... Even if the Nets win it, New York is always going to be a Knicks town. Always will be a Knicks town. And they just, I don't know, have you ever been inside the Garden during a game? Yes. One of my best memories ever is, like, when I was really young, I saw the Heat and Knicks play on Christmas Day in Madison Square Garden. I mean, the energy in that, it's just, it is unreal. I have been lucky enough to been in many arenas, and by far that was my best basketball experience. Not even close. And I would love to see them just become relevant again instead of a, a kind of a laughing stock in the league. So big news, especially up by me, Giannis signed the, the, the Supermax extension. Five years with an option to opt out after the fourth year. This is just huge, I feel, for the Milwaukee, the NBA. And it's a win for all small market, small market teams. Oh, exactly. And the thing is, is like the NBA is such a large market, te- like driven. L.A., Miami, those type of teams, Golden State. And for Giannis to say, you know what, I'm just going to stay here, was it sh- gives hope to every single small market team that, look, 
if you hand a guy, he's going to stay here. He's going to help you try to build a championship team. And also, I think the person that it helps too is Drew Holiday. Now the Bucks are forced to play ho- pay Holiday money too, so that it's helping Holiday get there. And I don't know, you're not a big Twitter guy, are you? No, no, no. So there's this one person, I'm not going to say her name. She claims these that she has heat sources, okay? And she throws up. She was adamant, adamant that Giannis was going to Miami per her sources. And all she does is just post thirst traps on Instagram and just probably goes to the club and flirts with guys to get her quote-unquote sources from guys from, like, I don't know, somebody that works in works in the Miami Heat organization. And Heat, Heat Twitter was so bitter that Giannis didn't sign there. It was it was comical. But looking at the Bucks roster right now, I think it's definitely better than last year's. What do you think? Oh, yes, they upgraded. Now, do you think they upgraded enough to get out of the East or not? I have them playing in the finals this year. Um, whether they can take down like the Lakers or whoever comes out of the West remains to be seen. But I think they're taking the steps in the right direction. They did what they could to keep Giannis happy. And I don't know, have you watched any um, preseason NBA with the Bucks yet? Mm, not with the Bucks. Giannis's three three throw form changed a little bit, and it's a little more smoother. And he's making three throws. And I truthfully feel for him to take that next step up in his game, that's what that that's more important than the three-point shooting. For him to be able to go to the charity stripe when he gets hacked toward the end of the game and to make two of them. And also, Coach Bud needs to realize, no, no, no. We're not playing Giannis at the top of the key. Giannis needs to get his ass down to the block and post up if we want to be serious during crunch time of winning a championship. Giannis is expanding so much energy, running down the court, barreling um, towards the rim, um, and having to set up his own offense and get it to him on the block, and he doesn't have to do as much. That's like a thing that LeBron has become really good at, Mm -hmm. is resting when he's still on the court. Like, when the Lakers play last year, they'd have Rondo and LeBron on the court at the same time. And the whole offense would be running through Rondo, pick and roll, whatnot, with LeBron just kind of standing in the corner, resting on offense, being a decoy. And if the Bucks can incorporate that and have a Middleton holiday pick and roll, Lopez holiday pick and roll, whatever, I think that's really going to help them in the long run. Absolutely. So let me ask you this as a Bucks fan. What do you expect from them this year? Oh, I think they got it. I think they at least, because I, I realize the, the competition is a little stiffer in the East right now. Mm-hmm. I think they at least need to make it to the conference final. Yeah. I think that's what they need to do at the minimum if they struggle at all during the regular season. I think Bud is gone. I mean, I think I think Bud has to be gone if they don't if they don't compete to near where they were last year. But I think, and this is gonna come to later on when we talk about some teams. I think Bud, because he got 
criticized so much about the limits restriction. I think he's going to play like Middleton, Holiday, and Giannis more than the top guys around the league are played, just so that way he gets their minutes and their conditioning up during the game. Okay. Um, I can see that. So now we're going to jump to one of the more interesting teams, the Brooklyn Nets. Okay. So I have a couple talking points. Okay. Number one, what do you think of the Steve Nash hire? I, I can't really say anything yet because I'm one of those guys that's like, let's wait and see, especially with like such a brilliant basketball mind like Steve Nash. But I'll, I'll just say it right now. I'm, I'm lower on this team than most just because it's so many moving pieces. And for get, them to get it right year one with the championship aspirations they have, it's eerily reminiscent of the Clippers last year in my mind. You know? Oh. Especially when you don't have vocal leaders. Um, being that your two guys are KD and Kyrie, who aren't necessarily like a in-your-face, like, let's-go team uh, guys. And especially after what came out about D'Antoni just letting the plane sit while Harden comes in late, delaying film sessions in the bubble because Harden was late getting tested for COVID. And you put D'Antoni on that. Is D'Antoni going to be the disciplinarian? No. Is Nash going to be able to manage those guys' ego and everything? I don't know. I, I I really think that he wasn't the best hire for the job. Yeah. Who would you have went with? I'm not a Ty Lue dot guy, but I think at least Ty Lue has had success with Kyrie, managing Kyrie, managing LeBron, who are two alphas. I think since he's done that and he had success with it, I don't think he's the best X and O guy. But on the managing Eagles part, I would have gone with him. Okay. What about you? I was surprised when they fired Kenny Atkinson that a while ago. I thought he was a good coach, and I thought he was could take them to the next level. But um, I guess they saw it differently, and Katie and Kyrie wanted someone else. But... Now, do you think Katie and Irving, do you think they're going to be able to work together? I think some nights we're going to see it and it's going to look like poetry in motion. But other nights it's just going to be like um, they don't fit together. Um, it, we're going to see a lot of articles like do Kate, are Katie and Kyrie the answer? And also, they might not even play together that much because Kyrie's always banged up. He's always sitting out of game. So we might not get to see this Nets team together as much as we think. That was a big problem with the Clippers last year. A lot of their guys, like Paul George and Kawhi, didn't play together. So they lacked that chemistry heading into the playoffs, which is something I could see for um, Brooklyn. And a couple things, like one thing to piggyback what you are just saying. I actually, I think the Nets would be a better team, like overall better team, if... It was Spencer Dimwitty at point and just him in those minutes. So I think if Irving isn't there, I think team-wise, I think that's better for the whole team. What what, what do you think about that? I could agree with that. Um, Dinwiddie's one of my favorite players. Um, so I would agree with that. How do you think him and Dinw- or Dinwiddie and LaFerre will take on their new roles? 
I think they're going to struggle just because I think both those two need the ball in their hand to be effective. And by taking the ball out of their hand, they're going to not be as effective. And does that mean when the ball does get in their hand, are they going to press because they understand they only have limited amount of touches in the game? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? Sorry, go ahead. I just think like the the Joe Harris type player, like the spot shoot that has shown he can drive. I think surrounding like KD and Irving with those type players would have been better than like keeping Dimwitty and Levert. Yeah. One of the things that's so overlooked by like the general NBA public is how important it is for a team to have like clear defined goals. And the Nets had that um, before they had Katie and Kyrie. Like you saw the bench videos from last year and like the year prior, how they were like so excited um, for their teammates. With Katie and Kyrie, maybe that might not be the case, you know, um, watching these young stars like blossom. So that's one thing uh, I'm definitely worried about for the Nets. And I mean, that's the roles. That's the thing, like, in the NBA, the locker room is so small that just a couple people getting upset is going to change the dynamic of a team. We saw it with the Clippers last year. People in the locker room were upset because they felt that George and Leonard were getting preferential treatment, and that affected their play on the court. And going on with that, DeAndre Jordan, Jarrett Allen. This is no, going to be yeah. in, an interesting for me because last year I I think Atkinson is a great coach, a phenomenal coach. Like he is, he helped Lopez improve his three point game. He he improves players. Great player developmental coach. And Jordan was taking out of the starting lineup, and then right after Atkinson was fired, guess who is back in the starting lineup? Jordan. So I I feel at this stage of their career, I want Allen closing the game. Is this going to lead to a a little ego hit from Jordan? Who's going to go complain to KD and Irving, which is going to affect the dynamics? How do you, do you think this could be an issue or do you think this is just me just overthinking everything? Oh, definitely. I think the team's better with Allen in there. He's younger. And at this point in their careers, he's a better version of DeAndre Jordan. So that signing didn't really make sense to me. Um, and I know they did it more so because he's close to Katie and Kyrie. But you want that development from Allen, and he's not going to get that if he's only playing like 20 minutes a game, you know? Oh, yeah. And I think he can just – I think he – like you, you hit on the head. He's a younger, better DeAndre Jordan. And I would want him on the court as opposed to Jordan. So now we're going to move on to another team. You know, a team played great in the bubble. LeBron James's Los Angeles Lakers. So my prediction with them is I really feel this is the year we start to see LeBron age. Because this schedule, like normally, like what is the NBA schedule? You have Monday off, you know, game either Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday off if you're not one of those TNT games, game Friday, Saturday, then a game Sunday, Monday. And that's kind of like your cycle for the week. Now, every every game now is looking at the schedule is like, 
game off day, game off day. And I just think the travel and all those games, all that wear and tear, this is the year we're going to slowly start to see LeBron age. What would that look like for you? Like statistically, just like moving slower? Well, I think like drop in shooting percentages because his legs get tired, he's not going to be able to elevate. Drop in rebounding, um, minutes dropping, and him taking more games off. I LeBron is LeBron. He's one of the greatest ever. One of the greatest ever to do it. He's still going to get the points. It's just going to be the, the little things like that. Missing three throws toward the end of the game. You know, just the little things like that you're just going to see accumulate over time. And it wouldn't surprise me if he takes more games off. That's something fair to say. Um, I don't think he'll regress that much. But I do see him taking a lot of games off. Coming off like the shortest offseason in NBA history, the Rocket or the Lakers roster got better. They had the best like offseason I've seen from a defending champion in a while. Oh, it was um, a great offseason. Yeah. So I think that all sort of takes the pressure off of him. And he could just be like, AD, you go get yours. Now, um, in terms of the point guard position, is Schroeder starting or is Schroeder coming off the bench? I think Schroeder played so well in that six-man role last year with OKC that they would bring him off the bench. But um, I, Vogel will take her with it, so I don't think it's like set in stone yet. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's better if he comes off the bench, but then he's on. He's obviously there to close games because LeBron will play the point guard, but LeBron doesn't defend the point guard. That's the thing. So you need to have someone on there that can defend it, and I think getting Schroeder engaged by having him play that six-man role where the offense kind of filters through him is just huge for him. Um, what do you think about the Gasol signing? I didn't think too much of it just because um, people, a lot of people were at, overreacting to it. Like, oh, they just got a, another star. Like, Marcusol isn't in his prime anymore or anything like that. It, this more just adds veteran leadership and he's going to hold guys accountable because he knows what it takes to win. So I really like that from a, um, just a team chemistry perspective. I mean... Um, he, yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead with what you're going to say. My fault. Um, because I don't remember how many minutes he played last year for Toronto, but even in those minutes, he was doing Marcus Hall things. Like he was defending, he was rebounding, um, setting hard screens, and that's all they really need him to do. I know, it's not like they need him to, like, be amazing. They just need him to rebound, set screens, and be efficient in the pick-and-roll defense. Now, let's go to the other side. The clip. Clip joint. What do you think of the Clippers? I was hammering them home last year. Like, all last year I thought they were going to win the finals. Um, Obviously that was wrong. But I think maybe they'll experience some like positive regression because, like as I mentioned before, a lot of them didn't play together. So maybe having that um, that time in the off season to like get to know each other, get to play together, they could be much better than people think. Because I feel like people, they're sort of already written out by a lot of people after last year's debacle. So the biggest issue. 
picture in my mind from last year is Paul George hitting the side of the backboard in Game 7. You know, I mean, like, I just, I can't get that picture out of my head. And I just, I I feel they're going to take a big step backwards. I mean, granted, you have Leonard, who's one of the better players in the game and everything. But who who's their point guard? Is that Beverly? And if Beverly's out there, he's going to such a liability. They Granted, they added bad boy Luke Kennard, but Kennard, I don't know. What do you think... I, I I'm a Detroit fan too. I'm just not a Canard guy. What What do you think of Canard? He's just an okay NBA player. I don't really think too much of it uh, of that signing. The Clippers had clear ways to get better. Like they needed a, a true point guard. Everyone knew that, and they just didn't address that this offseason. Um, yeah, so you, yeah. They just you didn't... just gotta hope they're more glued together than they were last year because of the. the Hopefully they fly under the radar. That's what they gotta hope, you know. Not in the media attention, not talking, all this game and about how they run LA. You know, just stay quiet and focus. Is is Ty Lue gonna be able to manage the room? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's the big thing. Like everything we're saying is a lot of locker room speculation, a lot of locker room like being able to do all that. Is he gonna be able to? manage the room and is there going to be a step up in leadership because they really didn't have like any leader in that locker room during the during the bubble last year I mean could you imagine if they had Lauer on that team or Marcus Smart someone that isn't afraid to like get into some a teammate's face and bark at him like I really feel that's what that team is missing I don't really feel they addressed it at all now do you think they're going to end up trading Lou Williams I think they got to. Seeing how much teams attacked him in the bubble defensively. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think they got to or gotta find a better piece for that roster. Yeah, just got to move on. Because, I mean, Lou's Lou. And he's great offensively, but he's such a liability on the defensive end. So, now, now what we're going to do is we're going to talk about... I actually, I actually have four teams now that are going to actually I take that back. I have five teams now that I am low on. Okay. I, okay. I so let's tell me one of the teams that you're low on and why. Let's talk about the Hawks first because I know we both had them. Yeah. Um I did a post about them recently and they had a good off season in the sense that they clearly got better as a team. But they had a bad off season because they're taking away so many minutes from the young guys. And so now it's like this cluster, this log jam at the four or the wing spots between Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, Bogdanovich, uh, Gallinari, uh, and Herter. So all of that could be good because it could create competition. But I don't know if Lloyd Pierce is the guy. I don't know if he, as a young NBA coach, is ready to allocate those minutes and get the best out of those young players without stunting their development. And that's like a that's a tough line, you know, being able to coach and develop and coach and win. And I don't know if he has it either. I think I think he's the first coach to get fired, to be honest. I think this team is going to struggle a lot. Defensively, I have a lot of questions about him. I'm not a Trey Young guy. 
I really think Trey Young is a one-trick pony in the NBA. And for a team to be a championship caliber team with Trey Young on your team, you have a lot of deficiencies that he has on the court that you need to account for. And I just don't think with who they brought in, they're doing anything. Like you hit it on the head. Why are they bringing in Gallinari when they have all those other guys? That makes zero sense to me. Yeah. And you're bringing in Rondo, which is great. You know, Rondo can like try to take the young team over the, the hump with his leadership skills. But yeah, I just, I'm totally with you on this team. Like, I really don't think this team is going to like do anything. I, I think this team isn't going to make the playoffs. I, I think they're going to struggle to win 30 total games, to be honest with you. Wow. Okay. Um, now, this other team is going to catch you a little bit off surprise. I'm going to say the Miami Heat. Now, this is my thought process for this. This is the most games that Jimmy Butler has ever played in a season. And the last time that he had an extended playoff run, the following season, he missed a ton of games. If Butler's not playing, this Heat team, uh, you know what I mean? Are you really going to trust a team with Bam, Hero, Nunn, Dragic? And Dragic, you know, he battled foot injuries. Is that team really a top four team in the East? If I was tempted to put the heat because when I look at last year, that was basically the best case scenario. You know, like everything clicked for them. Everything uh, fit perfectly. And not to say it can't happen again, but just when everything works in your favor one year, it's hard to repeat that success, you know. Um, and as you mentioned, uh, Jimmy Butler played like a lot of games. He doesn't usually do that. Um so yeah, I can definitely see that, but I didn't put them just because I like how consistent they are versus the sort of wild cards in like Philadelphia and Brooklyn, you know? Yeah, yeah, oh for sure, but I could, I guess my thing is, is I could make a case in my head for the wheels falling off Miami. Um. So now, what's another one of your teams? <laughs> this one hurt me because they're actually my favorite team out west. I'm an Orlando Magic fan. But this is my favorite team out west because I just always love them, always love their jerseys um, and their team. But the Denver Nuggets, for like two, three years, I was pounding and telling anyone that would listen that the Nuggets are like the next upcoming team because I saw Jokic, I saw Murray, and I saw the potential that they had. Um, and so it was like a victory lap for me uh, personally when I saw them in the Western Conference Finals and them competing with the Lakers. Um but then they lose their three best defenders between Torrey Craig, Jeremy Grant, and then um, Plumley. And I know a lot of people are picking Michael Porter Jr. to win um, Most Improved Player and for him to like step up and be that third star for them. But that's a tall ask when he's such a liability on defense. Watching him in the bubble try to play defense it was, was painful to watch. He's bad on defense, and... Teams are just attacking him, and if you can't be somewhat competent on defense, you you can't be on the on the floor. And I think you're right. I think losing Grant, losing um the guy to Milwaukee, Tory, 
and losing Pomley is huge for him. And then already you have Will Barton, who's coming out in the media saying, I think I should be a starter. I deserve to be a starter. So you already have a little bit of locker room dissension with Will coming back saying he wants to be inserted in the starting lineup, playing starter minutes, making it very clear that he wants to do that for his financial future because he's a free agent next year. And Mike Malone has shown, because Isaiah Thomas went there, he's not just going to insert you into a starting lineup. He's going to make you earn it. So I could really see this team. I'm totally with you. They're one of my teams, too. I could see this team taking a huge step backwards, and I actually feel that Portland is going to win that little division. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about Portland in a second, but one more thing I want to add on the Nuggets is – if you just look at their roster, they got a lot of streaky guys and like wild cards. Like Gary Harris shot inconsistently. Will Barton, very streaky shooter. And then they have a bunch of young, promising guys, but you can't expect them to take that jump immediately. Like Bull Bull, MPJ. And then one thing I think people forget about is Jamal Murray isn't a superstar. He played amazing in the bubble. Like He was amazing to watch, super fun to watch. Before that, he wasn't playing at an all-star level. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. I think people forget that. And which kind of brings me to one thing. And the main thing the bubble showed me is it showed me which players lack focus on the road and which players didn't. You talk about a TJ Warren, a Jamal Murray, who did great in the bubble. So that means when you get rid of the distractions when you're on the road, the nightclubs, the girls the friends, they were locked in playing basketball. But now you're adding all that stuff back in. You know, you, you know what I mean? Like there's a whole bubble basketball and playoff basketball are completely two different things in my eyes. Um, now, one of my teams, now this is, I'll, I'll go to this team, is the 76ers. Now, This is why I'm not high on the 76ers. I think Joel Embiid is the most overrated player in the NBA. I have never seen anyone just throw his coaches, his teammates underneath the bus, show up to camp out of shape. How he showed up in the bubble was embarrassing. And it was awful. He has rookies go get him shakes and fast food on the road. He had the sixth worst shooting percentage in the NBA last year from six feet out to 19 feet out. You're a big, tall dude. Why are you shooting the ball so far away from the hip, from, from the rim? He thinks he's a three-point shooter, and in my eyes, he's just all about clowning people on social media. And I really feel until he takes a serious look in the mirror, this team is going to constantly underachieve. Then, on top of that, you bring in Steph Curry, Seth, Seth Curry, excuse me. Guess who Seth Curry's father-in-law is? Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers. Is he going to, is Doc going to be as hard on Curry as he is on everybody else? Or is he going to treat Curry differently? Is Shane Milton going to be upset because Curry cuts into his minutes and then he sees Rivers taking it easy on him because Curry's his father-in-law. There's just all these underlying factors, I feel, 
in that organization, in that locker room. And Rivers showed he really can't manage the locker room anymore. So I I really think this team, I'm going to say it, 16 in the playoffs. Okay, I definitely see that. Um, the Rivers signing was a little weird to me, just because he failed to manage those personalities um, and manage that superstar duo, and then you expect him to turn around and do it in Philly, between Simmons and Embiid. Um, I just don't see how it works. And I think there's a lot of maturing Joel Embiid has to do. Um, Simmons is still trying to figure out his game. So before they can do any of that, they're definitely going to be pretenders. Like, they'll show flashes, they'll put put it together and get um, 76 fans hopeful for the future. But I don't think they can really put it together for a playoff series, especially when you see how they stack up against teams like Boston, Toronto, who are much better defensively and have that winning culture about them. And I think Simmons needs to have the ball in his hands. I mean, this stuff about playing him at the four, I think, is ridiculous. I love Ben Simmons. He's one of my... He's one of the most over-hated players in the NBA. They see his lack of a jump shot um, and immediately come for his throat. But when he has the ball in his hands, he's a very good player. And then defensively, he gives you a lot on that end as well. Um, so, I think he's one of the most over—no, sorry, underrated defenders in the league. I think, oh, absolutely. In terms of checking, he was—he's great. I mean, I don't have the percentages in front of me, but in terms of locking you down, I think he's great and. Honestly, if I'm the 76ers, I would trade Embiid before I trade Simmons. I agree with you. Uh, it's good to hear you say that because I'm usually in the minority when I of people that think so. Oh, I think I think Embiid is a clown. I think he's a joke of a player, and he any team that has him is as like the face of your franchise trying to win with him is never going to do it. Never gonna do it. Now another team I'm not high on, and I know you are high on, is the Dallas Mavericks. And this is why I'm not high on Dallas. Number one, I question Porzingis's health. He's had two knee injuries on both knees, and when you're a bigger dude, coming back from those injuries are always hard. I really feel. Losing Curry is going to hurt their three-point shooting. I question if who's their third score. Do you, is it Josh Richardson? Because I'm not really the biggest Josh Richardson fan. And I really feel like they thought they could get make a free agent splash. And they just have these contracts that are just kind of expiring next year because they figured next year they're going to be able to get somebody and now with everyone resigning there's really no one on the free agent market i really feel this team didn't do anything to improve themselves that's fair um i think my disagreement is your evaluation of josh richardson i think he could be a really good third score or even second score for them um especially if he's taking shots away from tim hardaway and his inefficient play um and then I did a post recently on how I believe Luke is going to win MVP. And just looking at Dallas, I feel like they're 
one of the teams that didn't go through a whole lot of changes, which could hurt in the sense that they don't get a whole lot better, but could help as I ex- we think they'll be regression to the other Western Conference contenders. Like the Lakers, obviously they'll still be great, but um, with LeBron playing less games, maybe they won't win as many. And then the Clippers, they still got their own problems to figure out, which is why. And then the Nuggets got worse. So that's why I have the Mavericks so high. Okay. Now, you said Luka is your MVP. Why is Luka your MVP? I sort of just did a process of elimination, and I looked at each and every team. And I was like, Giannis has won it twice. The last person to win it three straight times was Larry Bird from 1984 to 1986. LeBron's going to be resting. Um AD still has LeBron, which will hurt his case in a way. And AD also likes to sit out games. Um, James Harden, we don't even know the deal with him. Is he even going to be a Houston Rocket? So I was like, it's really between Luka and Damian Lillard. And um, I them slightly higher in the power power rankings. So I went with Luka. See, I went with Dame. And the reason I went with Dame is just because I feel that Portland, after what happened to them last year with battling all those injuries, not being full, full like not having a full roster and battling for that playoff position, I feel like Portland is the one team in the West that isn't going to rest people as much as the other teams and is going to try to win as many games as humanly possible and really go after trying to get home court just because of what happened last year. And if you're a top three team, in either division that automatically puts you in the MVP discussion. And that's why I went with Dame. And Dame, his performance in that bubble, he's starting to get a lot of mainstream attention. And with the media and the MVP, it's all about narrative. Now, rookie of the year. Now, this should be interesting because I know where you're going and you know where I'm going. Yes. All right. Well, let's start with your guy because he's actually my runner up. So Now, I went with Killian Haynes, and I know that he struggled shooting, but he's he's he he admitted he's like I'm not in shape. I need to get used to this, used to being in game shape, and he's coming over from the German league, the German professional league. And the best analogy I can give for everyone listening is, if you think of it in terms of baseball, NBA being MLB, the German league is basically. Triple A, triple A, double A, low triple A, high double A baseball. So the competition he was playing against is better competition than anyone else that's coming into the game. He's great at pick and roll, great seeing over the defense and the pick and roll, not side to side. And it's just a matter of time before the Pistons trade. Um, God, Derek Rose. Yeah. Just before they trade Derek Rose. And there's no competition for Haynes. So I just feel that between minutes and opportunity, he's going to be putting up good numbers. Yeah, all the reasons you said, that's definitely why he's my runner-up. I feel like the Pistons will be the worst team in basketball, if not one of the worst. So they'll be content just to be like, here, you have the ball, you run this offense. Uh, you make plays, and we'll live with the turnovers. We'll live just as long as you develop. So that's why I have him second. But my first is going to be LaMelo Ball. 
and I know you're super low on him, but I feel like he's going to have this media attention and this media narrative. I've already seen in preseason games like Bleacher Report, ESPN post, nonstop LaMelo clips, and I feel like it's going to be like that. Um, the reason I didn't have any of the other big rookies, because Anthony Edwards, we don't know if he'll start um, with that long jam they have in Minnesota. James Wiseman, the Warriors don't really feed their big man down low um, like that. So, LaMelo makes the most sense to me. This is my thing, and, and you kind of hit on the head. Like, everyone, everywhere on social media was hyping that, like, oh, look at all these dimes from, from Melo. He, wasn't he, like, 0 for 7 in the game shooting? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I really feel that his form and his jump shots, his release point is so low and his technique is so bad he's going to have a hard time getting the shot off and he's going to struggle. And his dad is such a pain in the ass that defending players are going to try a little bit harder. And here's the one thing about the NBA. If I'm in the NBA and everyone does this and it's our fourth, our what? let's say our third game in five nights, Okay, and we're going back to let's say we're let's say we play in it doesn't Chicago. Okay, we're we're on the Bulls, third game in five nights. We're playing in Charlotte, and I'm hearing Lamelo talk shit. His dad talks shit. I'm gonna try a little harder than I would if it was Terry Rozier playing point guard. You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes and sense. I just kind of feel like the effort of players defending him is gonna be more because of. Him talking shit, his dad talking shit, and I just don't buy the hype. Like I just his jump shot is whack, and if you can't make a jump shot, eventually guys are just gonna sag off of you because you're gonna be driving all the time. That's fair. So, That's fair. But I think his numbers will ultimately look like the same as Killian Hayes. Um, and if that's the case, they're gonna side with Lamelo. Like oh, the, for sure. The media darling. So. And here's another thing with LaMelo that no one talks about. Can you name the one time he won something on a basketball court? Uh, Chino Hills. Yeah, when it was Lonzo's team. Every other team this kid has played on has been shit. And I just really feel like when it comes to leadership, either you have it and you don't have it. I think Lonzo kind of has it. I think Lonzo is has kind of separated himself from his dad, which was good. And you're seeing his game mature. Like last night against the Bucks, his jump shot form looked better. He was knocking down jump shots. But is LaMelo going to be able to do that? Plus the the Hornets, they also kind of have who they they have Graham and I think I think Graham is great and they have Rozier. They kind of have a long a log jam at that point guard position. Mm-hmm. And don't forget about who's that kid from Kentucky? Um Monk. <laughs> Don't forget about that guy. Bust Central. Um, so now we finished our Rookie of the Year. Um, Coach of the Year, who are you going with? Um, let's talk about Portland. We will, we will mention them. I have Terry Stotts as the Coach of the Year. Um, one of the biggest reasons is because I feel like if Portland doesn't show a drastic improvement, he's out the door. So like you said, he's going to be playing like his guys heavy. Um and they're going to try to secure that seed, especially or a top seed, especially when most of the teams in the West 
um, have lost some pieces. And with Dame being in the MVP conversation, and with Nurkic back healthy, and then they got a, a Robert Covington who fits perfectly next to McCollum and Willard. This is the best Portland team we've seen um, in a while. The best Portland team we might have seen around Dame. So, and Con- Covington fits them great. And who do you feel is the Blazers? I was I was having this debate the other day. Who do you feel is the Blazers' second best player? Uh, I'd say McCollum, but Nurkic when he's healthy, he's right there. He just doesn't have the flash of McCollum, but he's right there with him. See, I say I say Yurkic. I feel Yurkic is the bet is their second better player. I I think CJ is a little bit of a liability on the uh, on the defensive end. Um. So I agree with you. I think I I think Scott's going to win it. Stross is going to win it. I think that um, you know they're going to they're going to be playing. He's going to be coaching for his job and playing for that top seed, and he's not not going to be resting as much as everyone else is. And if you look in their division, I mean, it's either them, the Mavericks, and the Jazz. I mean, do you really feel the Jazz did anything? No. You know what I mean? Like, so I just kind of feel like they're going to play better, win a lot more games, and because of that, he's going to get it. Um, most improved. Who are you going with the most improved here? I'm going with Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Okay. Um, watching a little bit of their preseason games, he looks confident. Um, he looks like he's ready to step into that role and be the guy. And when they have no other clear score around him, they're going to just be content to be like, Shea, this is your team, you're our franchise cornerstone put the ball in your hands and go to work. He won't have to um, be having to split the ball with CP3 or with Dennis Schroeder. Um, so, Shea goes Alexander. Yeah, he was great last year. Um, I decided, because I always like to go, I, I like the long shot, so I went with the long shot here. I went with Lonnie Walker from the Spurs. Now, here's oh, my... I like that, I like that. Here's my thought process. Derek White is hurt. And Forbes is gone. So that's going to open up more minutes. He's been in that system for a while. And when he's been on the floor, he's shown glimpses. I think this kid is very talented. And it's just pop that old man coaching philosophy. I think this kid is going to get opportunity. He's going to make the most of his opportunity, which he has when when he's played in the past. I think this kid is very underrated. Yeah, I've been watching him for a long time, ever since he was at Miami. And I've been just waiting for him to blossom. So hopefully this is the year. I can see that actually. I I I love him this year. I think I think he's gonna be that Spurs backcourt with him, Murray, and White, if White ever gets healthy, I think is very dynamic and something that should be bright for their future. I do think they need to move off of Lamarcus Aldridge though. Mm-hmm. Speaking what do you think about or moving on, what about six man of the year? Who do you have for that? Six man of the year. I mean, as much as I'd love to give it to my boy, Pat Cunnington, up in Milwaukee, <laughs> I think it's going to be um, Montrell again. I think he's going to win it for the Lakers. I think he's... Really? I think, I, I think he's going to get a lot of minutes. I think he's going to get <clears throat> huge minutes for them, actually, just because he those other guys are going to be resting, and Vogel isn't going to do anything to disrupt him coming off the bench. You know what I mean? Because he's so used to coming off the bench, I don't think Vogel's going to disrupt that. Why'd you put him as opposed to Schroeder? 
just because I feel when LeBron does take game, I, I feel Schroeder's going to start about 25 games this year. Just because with people resting for the Lakers, they're just going to put Schroeder in the lineup to start. My sixth man of the year, he looked really good in the bubble. Um, Jordan Clarkson. When I look at the Jazz roster, they're one of those teams that's susceptible to fall out of the playoffs um, between the lack of scoring. Um, the Mitchell Gobert duo can only take you so far. And um, Mike Conley was pretty bad last year. Bogdanovich was hurt. So they just let Clarkson fly in the bubble, and he actually found like a home there. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised, especially when um, the Sixth Man of the Year award is so points per game driven. Clarkson's gonna put up put up buckets for them. So, um, you saying that Conley was pretty bad was probably the nicest thing I ever heard anyone say. Conley was awful last year. <laughs> I have never been so disappointed in a player than I was in Mike Conley. And then when you see, because NBA had that horse competition that nice gym he had. Like, how can you have that nice of a gym at your house and not be a good spot-up shooter? It, it makes... That that got me more pissed off, if that's even possible, after I saw his house in that, in that horse competition. Um, But no, I like Clarkson. I think Clarkson played great. He can create off the dribble. And I think he's really morphed into a legitimate NBA player over the... the the last couple of years. Now, lastly, it's that time. What is your NBA's final your NBA finals prediction? I'm gonna go Bucks Lakers with Lakers and Six. Um, that's probably the mainstream answer. But I think the Bucks have finally they've gotten better. Most of the East teams, I don't know how they're gonna be. Um, I think Giannis is so hungry to win finally that they'll make it to the, the the finals. I think the Lakers, they're just such a, a talented team. Put LeBron and AD together. Um, I don't see who stops them, you know? So yeah. I think it's really easy for them to get back. I have the same exact two teams, but I said Bucks over the Lakers, four games to two. Like I said earlier, I feel like the wear and tear of LeBron is just finally going to take its toll. You're going to see a dip in his shooting percentage. How Drew Holiday is one of the better defenders in the NBA. He's going to be a pit bull for this team. But also, what that move did is it gave a gave the team a calming factor. Okay, last year in the bubble, when stuff didn't go the Bucks way. You have Giannis, who starts trying harder and pressing, so it's either a bad shot or a bad turnover. Middleton, pressing, force shot, or he forces a pass to Giannis. I really feel that Holiday, when stuff hits the fan, which it will, he's going to be able to have the ball in his hands, be calm, and make a decision and put the teammate in a position to make a shot or make, make, make a bunny. So I really feel that just him being that calming factor on the court is going to be huge for him. And I, I really think Giannis is going to play more on the block this year as opposed to outside. So okay. I'm going to take the Bucks four games to two. Okay. okay. And just for the record, if my Pistons, which I grew up in Michigan, they'll always be my team. 
with how stacked next year's draft is, if they finish with the worst team in the league, I would be doing backflips. Who would you want them to take? Or have you scooped? Do you know? Well, that's the thing. Like, I've watched that kid from Ohio State. Um, what's his name? Cunnington? Cunning, Cunningham? Oh, yeah. Okay, Cunningham, Oklahoma State. Yeah. And I think that kid is smooth. But I haven't seen enough. Who Who's the G League guy everyone's talking about? Green? Yeah, Green. I think Green is going to be a transcendent level player in the NBA. So I would I would want them to take Green. And then you got Green, Haynes, and then you got the kid from France whose name I cannot pronounce at all. Oh, Seku. And I really feel like there, that is a young ass core that is very, very interesting in four years. I see. I'm hoping my magic don't just make the AC this year, that they actually regress at our lottery team, which I hope, I think they will be this year. Do you think yeah. they're going to trade Gordon or anybody? I, I just don't think our front office likes making trades, to be honest. But I think they should trade Gordon. Um, and then Fournier's contract comes off the books, which is a blessing for all Magic fans. So you think, do you think they should trade Fournier? Um, yeah, I think they should trade Fournier. Um, I'd much rather like a Markel Fultz, Cole Anthony backcourt, let them figure out what they, what we have right there. Okay. Yeah. Magic are kind of in that, I don't want to, because I know you're, they're your team, they're kind of in that wasteland. You know what I mean? They're, like, they're irrelevant. They're probably the most irrelevant team in the NBA. I mean, this... But, this is kind. Of, this is it's kind of like they're stuck there, and that's what they're doing. So, but uh, Sterling, thanks for coming on, my man. Um, tell everyone where they can find you. All right, you can find me on Instagram at Silver Star Sports. It's going to be Silver Star, and then underscore, and Sports. Um, I have a Twitter, but I'm not even going to promote that yet because I haven't really gotten into it. But with school ending, I'll be posting a lot more on Instagram. Um, NFL playoffs are coming up soon. We'll probably do a podcast for that. So, yeah, just follow me there, and um, I'm trying to grow it in 2021. So, right. come along for the ride. And last question: Will you let me know when I can do my victory lap about Tua? <laughs> We're still a ways away from that, but uh, yeah, he, you're so far. You're kind of right. So just let just 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 shoot me a message. Just say, dude, you can do your victory lap because I'm just <laughs> I'm just waiting to be able to do my victory lap about him, about Edward Zelaire. I'm just, I'm just slowly waiting to do my victory laps. You know, I'm our, I, I started this year doing my victory lap about Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, I'm just, I'm just waiting to do my laps. But no, seriously, guys, follow him. He's a great follow every every week. Usually on Tuesday, is it Tuesday or Wednesday? You post your takeaways from the NFL, which are really good. Um, post daily content about I mean you called the NHL finals last year didn't you didn't you have the lightning beating the stars lightning stars and six yep you called that so guys definitely follow him he's a great follow on Instagram and I will peer pressure the shit out of him to pick out his Twitter game so (laughs) thanks for coming on enjoy the holiday now since you're 21 you know have a couple beers for me today man Uh, will do well thanks for having me it's always fun chatting with you that's it for today's podcast. I'll be back on Monday with my Reaction Monday podcast for the NFL action. Loaded day of sports today. Let's cash some tickets. 
And hopefully we have some beers tonight to celebrate. My local brewery's got that Santa's magic, which is too good. Stay safe, stay well, and I'll talk to you guys on Monday.